the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. In Romans eleven twenty nine says, The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. He doesn't take it back. Even when we mess up, He doesn't change His mind. And Israel needs to hear that right now because of what they're going through and what they're experiencing. And they may be thinking... Has the Lord forsaken us? Has the Lord turned away from us and disowned us? And and he reminds them and comforts them by saying, Hey, I I still choose you. I'm going to settle you back into your land. Have you ever tried imagining what it would be like to receive God's chastisement as an ancient Israelite? Based off of what we read in the Old Testament accounts, many of us would probably feel as though God had entirely forsaken us. However, today, Pastor Dan will teach you that not only will God never forsake us, but as Paul writes in Romans, his gifts and callings are irrevocable. In his study, you'll learn that while it may indeed seem hard at times, when receiving correction from God, he strictly does so out of love, not abandonment. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Here the Lord reminds his children Israel that he does still choose them. And he will bring them back into their own land. In other words, he has not forsaken them. He has not forsaken them. He hasn't changed his mind about choosing them. And and I think this is important for, for us to see and for us to notice here. Because sometimes we may feel like the Lord has forsaken us or that the Lord has forgotten about us or that the Lord has disowned us somehow. But he promises to never leave us and to never forsake us. And and he reminds Israel, even though they're going to go through this time of chastening and they're going to be removed from their land, he reminds them, he says, I will still choose you. He says, I haven't changed my mind about you. You're still my people. I haven't changed my mind. God doesn't change his mind about us. God doesn't, doesn't change his answer. You know, God's not up in heaven saying, boy, if I knew you were going to be like this, I wouldn't have chosen you. And can I change my answer now? I want to unchoose you. I want to unfriend you or whatever it would be kind of thing. No, no, God knew what we were when he chose us. And God reminds Israel here, I, I still would choose you. Even though I'm chastening you, I still choose you. And I'm going to put you back into your own land. I I still have plans for you. I still have a future for you. Even though you're being chastened right now because of your rebellion, I I still have a plan. I'm still going to keep my covenant with you. I haven't forsaken you. 
In Romans eleven twenty nine says, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. He doesn't take it back. Even when we mess up, he doesn't change his mind. And Israel needs to hear that right now because of what they're going through and what they're experiencing. And they may be thinking, has the Lord forsaken us? Has the Lord turned away from us and disowned us? And, and he reminds them and comforts them by saying, hey, I, I still choose you. I'm going to settle you back into your land. And he goes on to say, the strangers will join with them and they will cling to the house of Jacob. Again, this is looking down to the, the future to the kingdom age when Israel is ultimately restored and exalted in their land and in the world. The strangers will join them, the non-Jews, the Gentiles. They will cling to the house of Jacob. Then people will take them and bring them to their place. And the house of Israel will possess them for servants and maids in the land of the Lord. They will take them captive whose captives they were and rule over their oppressors. Verse 3, it shall come to pass And the day the Lord gives you rest from your sorrow and from your fear and the hard bondage in which you were made to serve, that you will take up the proverb against the king of Babylon, how the oppressor has ceased, the golden city is ceased, speaking of Babylon, the golden city. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers, He who struck the people in wrath with a continual stroke, he who ruled the nations in anger is persecuted and no one hinders. Verse 7, the whole earth is at rest and quiet. They break forth into singing. You know, when when Israel, again, there's there's the near and the far fulfillment of this. When Israel returned to their own land after the Babylonian captivity, they rejoiced. They rejoiced because they finally had rest from their sorrow and from their fear and from their hard bondage. You know, back in the Psalms, Psalm 126, listen to this. It says, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. There in the Psalms, the psalmist says, when when we came back from the captivity, it was like we were in a dream. It was like a dream to us. That we could return back to our land and rebuild our temple. It was like a dream. And we were filled with laughter and singing and joy because God had done this great thing for us. And so there's there's the near fulfillment of it. When the children of Israel come back from the Babylonian captivity, but there's the far fulfillment that will be ultimately when Jesus Christ comes. And this is a picture of the rejoicing that will happen when the world system of Babylon is finally destroyed and Jesus Christ is elevated and exalted as King of Kings over all of the earth. And then the whole earth literally will be at rest and quiet and break forth into singing because there'll be no more sorrow and no more fear or hard bondage under Jesus Christ. Amen? Look at verse 8. Indeed, the cypress trees rejoice. This, this is looking down to the kingdom age when Christ is ruling. And the cedars of Lebanon saying, 
Since you were cut down, no woodsman has come up against us. Here it's saying even the trees will rejoice in that day when, when spiritual Babylon is destroyed. You know, Romans 8.21 says, Even the creation will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. All of creation was affected by the fall of man. All of creation was marred by sin. Even the trees. And when Christ returns and he establishes his kingdom on the earth, all of creation will rejoice. The Bible says that the mountains will, will break forth into song and the trees will clap their hands. And here we see the trees singing and rejoicing as well. It goes on in verse 9. Hell from beneath is excited about you to meet you at your coming. Man, what a thing to say. Hell is excited to meet you. Speaking to the king of Babylon. <laughs> Hell is looking forward to having you. <laughs> it stirs up the dead for you, all the chief ones of the earth. It is raised up from their thrones, all the kings of the nations. And again, there's the near fulfillment of this, the, the king of Babylon in the Old Testament times. And then there is the future fulfillment, the, the king of that spiritual Babylon in the last days at the end of the age, who the Bible tells us is the Antichrist, right? And the word Antichrist just means instead of Christ. The world will look to him and worship him as the Savior instead of Jesus Christ or in place of Jesus Christ. And we know also from the book of Revelation that the Antichrist really receives his power from Satan. So Satan is the power behind Antichrist and the power behind this, this world system that will be in place in the last days. And here we're told in verse 9, hell is excited to have them. Hell is looking forward to their coming. Verse 10, they all shall speak and say to you, have you also become as weak as we? Have you become like us? Your pomp is brought down to Sheol, to the grave. And the sound of your stringed en instruments, the maggot is spread under you and the worms cover you. Remember, Jesus described hell as a place where the fire is never quenched and the worm never dies. Now, verse 12, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. I I Isaiah here, he identifies you know, the power behind the kingdom of Babylon is, is Lucifer, which is a name for Satan. So, so Satan is the power ultimately behind this, this world system. And, and again, uh, you know, Satan will be the one who empowers the Antichrist at the end of the age, this world leader that the world uh, receives instead of Jesus Christ and exalts instead of Jesus Christ uh, and will, will empower him. Uh, to rule, to do signs and lying wonders, the Bible says. Uh, Satan is described as the ruler of this world. And, and he is, he's the one who controls the world system that's in place. And he'll have his leader in place in the last days in the person of the Antichrist. And, and here, what we have in Isaiah 14 is a description of the fall of Lucifer and the judgment of Lucifer. Look at verse 12 again. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. Satan weakens the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. 
I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And this this is the mind behind the Babylonian system. This self-exaltation. It's the rejection of God and his authority. And it's the exalting of self. Again, going all the way back to the Tower of Babel. This rejection of God's authority. This exaltation of self. That's what Satan did. He wanted to exalt himself. And he wanted to put himself in the place of God instead of God. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I will be God. And whenever, whenever you see that in the world, whenever you see God's authority rejected and man exalted, Satan's behind that. Lucifer's behind that. That's the spirit of Babylon at work in the world. And we see it. We see it happening in the world. We see it happening even in our own country where, man, where God's authority, the word of God, is rejected. And man is exalted. What man wants. A man can be his own God. A man can decide what's best for him and whatever lifestyle is best for him and whatever, whatever. Man's exalted. That's the spirit of Babylon. That's, that's Lucifer at work. And, and he does that. The reason he does that in a nation, verse 12, is to weaken that nation, not to strengthen the nation. So that, that's, that's part of the lie too, is that we, you know, we're told that you know, by doing this, we're, we're making the nation stronger because we're more inclusive or whatever. But no, this is weakening a nation. And we see here in verse 15 that that Satan, Lucifer's ultimate destination is hell. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Now look at verse 16. I think verse 16 is very interesting. Those who see you, speaking of Lucifer, those who see you will gaze at you. When they see you, They'll just stare at him and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? It says here that in the end, people will see Lucifer. It doesn't say who will see him, but somebody, when they see him, they're going to be surprised at just how weak he really is. Is this this the guy? Is this the guy that has ruined the whole earth? Him? He's kind of like uh, the Wizard of Oz. Remember the movie, The Wizard of Oz? Remember the wizard had the big giant face and the green smoke and the loud booming voice? But really, it was just this old, weak, feeble man behind a curtain. And there really was no wizard. It's just this old man. And, and in a way, uh, Satan apparently is that way, where people will look and say, is, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who destroyed cities? Is, is this the guy? Verse 18 says, All the kings of the nations... All of them sleep in glory, everyone in his own house, but you are cast out of your grave like an abominable branch, like the garment of those who are slain, thrust through with a sword who goes down to the stones of the pit, like a corpse trodden underfoot, 
You will not be joined with them in burial because you've destroyed your land and slain your people. The brood of evildoers shall never be named. Prepare slaughter for his children because of the iniquity of their fathers, lest they rise up and possess the land and fill the face of the world with cities. Verse 22, For it will rise up against them, says the Lord of hosts. For I will rise up against them, says the Lord of hosts, and cut off from Babylon the name and remnant and offspring and posterity, says the Lord. God's going to completely wipe out the Babylonian people. How many Babylonians have you met? None, because he wiped them out. They're completely destroyed, just as Isaiah said they would be. Remember, at this point, it's just a city. It's not a world empire. It's just a city. Here he's talking about their destruction. Verse 23, I will also make it, speaking of Babylon, a possession. Now, the New King James says, for the porcupine. Uh, The King James says, bittern. You might have something that says stork or heron. Uh, hedgehog, I think I saw in one translation. Uh, we're not really sure what this is, but the point is, it's just it, it's going to be a desolate city. Just animals are going to dwell there. It'll be a marsh of muddy water. I will sweep it with the broom of destruction. I'm going to completely destroy it, is the idea, says the Lord of hosts. And, and again, remember what we read about Babylon. Babylon was once this beautiful city, the golden city it's called, the glory of of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans' pride. And yet God says, I'm going to completely destroy it and like just like sweeping it clean with a broom. There's going to be nothing left of it. Verse 24, the Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. As I, as I have purposed, so it shall stand. That's a great verse. Whatever God purposes will happen. It'll stand. Whatever he determines will come to pass. You know, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, how can Paul be confident that God will complete the work that he began in you? Because whatever he purposes, stand. Whatever he desires, comes to pass. So now, in verse 25, Isaiah turns now his attention to us back to Assyria. Then I will break the Assyrian in my land. Remember, Assyria is the world power at this point. And on my mountain, tread him underfoot. Then his yoke shall be removed from them, and his burden removed from their shoulders. This is the purpose that is purposed against the whole earth. This is the hand that is stretched out over all the nations. This is what the Lord's going to do to all the nations, judging all the nations, not just Assyria. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? (laughs) And now in verse 28, we have uh, his word against the Philistines or Philistia. This is the burden which came in the year that King Ahaz died. Do not rejoice, all you of Philistia, because the rod that struck you is broken. Speaking of King Ahaz, uh, the Philistines were on the southwestern border of of the land of Israel uh, and Judah. And there was constant conflict between the Philistines and the people of God. 
And so when they, in, Philist, in Philistia, when they hear news that King Ahaz has died, King Ahaz was the rod that struck them. And, he's, and the Lord is saying, don't rejoice because King Ahaz has died. For out of the serpent's root will come forth a viper and its offspring will be a fiery flying serpent. What is that talking about? Hezekiah is going to come to power and Hezekiah will be a stronger king than King Ahaz was. And so Hezekiah is going to be, you know, a stronger rod that strikes Philistia than Ahaz ever was. And so they're rejoicing that Ahaz was dead, but they're going to have a stronger king against them in Hezekiah. The firstborn of the poor will feed and the needy will lie down in safety. I will kill your roots with famine and it will slay your remnant. Wail, O gate, cry, O city, all you of Philistia are dissolved. How many Philistines have you met? None. They're all dissolved. For smoke will come from the north, and no one will be alone in his appointed time. And now look at verse 32, and we'll we'll close with this. What will they answer, the messengers of the nation? Here's what they'll answer. That the Lord has founded Zion, and the poor of his people shall take refuge in it. What is all of this judgment, 11 chapters that we're going to go through of of God judging all these Gentile nations? What is the message that it sends to all of these Gentile nations? The message that it sends is that the Lord God has founded Zion and his people take refuge in it. And that the Lord is with those people. And here they've had all these years of, uh, of troubling the people of Israel and and now they're going to see in the end, at the, at the final judgment, they're going to see who the real God is. And what does the Bible say about Jesus Christ? That one day, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow because Jesus Christ is Lord. And, you know, you've got, you know, you've got the Babylonian system happening and it's going to increase in power and ultimately it's going to take over and you'll have the Babylonian world system, and you're going to have the Antichrist, and all of that. But Jesus Christ is going to come back one day, and he's going to judge all the nations of the earth. And at that time, every knee will bow, and everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the message will be that he is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, and he is the judge of all the earth. And those that take refuge in him... In the end, they're safe. Amen. He asked me how I know, and I say, Ring truer than the finest crystal. That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton for his verse by verse study through the book of Isaiah. This extraordinary book is quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament book. Plus, it provides us with the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It includes the full scope of his life and ministry, from his virgin birth to his sacrificial death to his resurrection and second coming in glory. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an edition of this program. That website again is calvaryec.com. 
We'd love to hear from you, too, and learn how Ring of Truth has blessed you. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Let us know how God is working in your life and if there's anything that we can be praying for during this study of Isaiah. That number again is 410-491-4592. With that, our time with you has come to an end. We pray the Lord bless and keep you and that your faith is deepened with each passing day. Tune in next time to continue our study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.